Craft Beer Radio presents Savor, an American craft beer and food experience. Savor Educational Salon Number 1, Belgian-style beers and food, featuring Mike McManus of Brewery Amagang and Chef Teddy Fulcom of Granville Moore's Belgian Beers and Gastropub. All right. Good evening. How is everyone tonight? Comfortable? So embarrassing. All right. My name is Tom McCormick. I will be uh, your room host for this evening. I'm the executive director of the California Small Brewers Association, which is a trade association that represents the craft brewers in the state of California. I've been uh, blessed with having been in this industry since 1982 and watch it uh, grown into what it is today. But I'm here on behalf of the Brewers Association, which is putting on this wonderful event. The Brewers Association is the national trade association representing the craft brewers of the country. And uh, they put on a number of events, one that uh, some of you may have heard of. It's called the Great American Beer Festival. Anyone in the room ever been to the Great American Beer Festival in Denver? I thought so. It's uh, one of the largest, if not the largest, uh, beer-tasting festivals here in the United States. Uh, The Brewers uh, Association also puts on uh, an event called the World Beer Cup, which is the largest um, competition of beer in the world. And that's held every other year, rotating cities around the United States. And tonight we have Savor, which is in its third year And um, all you folks here in this room are, um, well, not lucky because you made a very good effort to get tickets and be here tonight. This event sold out within 10 or 15 minutes of tickets going on sale online to the general public. Just an amazing, so very, very special event here tonight. Thank you for coming. Uh, Again, third annual and uh, a great tradition, a great location, great venue for us here tonight. Well, I want to mention uh, just a couple housekeeping rules. In front of you, you have two glasses. One should have a little bit of beer in it for you. The other glass is for water. Also on the table is a water pitcher, and you can use that for drinking water, and you can also use that to splash and um, just briefly rinse your beer glass out and um, little pour buckets to pour that out from beer to beer. Now, if you'd like to have two beers in front of you at the same time to compare tastes, um, certainly feel free to do that. And we have some plastic cups on the tables for you to do that. Um, These are cups that are odorless and tasteless, so they're perfect for sampling beer. Um, That is about it. I'm going to turn it over to our fine host tonight. I encourage people, if you have questions tonight, During the presentation, feel free to ask them at any time, and I'll be kind of wandering in the room and keep my eyes out open for you, so uh, just kind of grab my attention, raise your hand, I'll bring a mic to you, and you can ask questions. We'll also have some Q&A at the end, so we're going to take it away. Um, I'm going to introduce the two guests tonight. We have Mike McManus from Brewery Omegang. Anyone here been to the brewery before? It's a beautiful, beautiful brewery. It's in upstate New York. Um, was founded in 1998, and it's just a beautiful, beautiful location. They've got a great beer festival coming up that's located at the brewery at the end of July. It's on the 30th and 31st of July. But a beautiful, beautiful brewery, and they do some spectacular beers. 
Belgium-influenced, and uh, Mike's going to talk more about that. Also, next to Mike is Teddy Folkman. He's the executive chef and co-owner of Granville Moore's Gastropub right here uh, locally. Um, their tagline is a gastropub with a healthy Belgium fetish. I love that. It's healthy. All right, you guys, Mike and Teddy, take it away. Welcome to Saber, guys. Thank you for having us in the first session. It's awesome. Uh, thanks, Tim. Um, my name again is Teddy Hopeman. Uh, I've been cooking with beer for a long time and drinking it since I was seven. <laughs> yeah, I was six. Um, well, uh, I've been at Obi Yang for about five years. We're gonna. Can everybody hear? I would prefer yeah. not to use a microphone. Can everybody hear me? All right, good. Uh, uh, yeah, been at Obagang for about five years. Um, I have a degree, uh, well, a degree in history and a degree in uh, political science. Um, I worked in manufacturing after I uh, I left college um, and a uh, pretty obsessive home brewer. Uh, I grew up in and around Cooperstown um, and actually moved back there after being away for about six years. Uh, pretty, the brewery's a pretty special place. Um, one of the big things that drew me there was uh, the affiliation with Duval. Um, and I'll get to the, you know, as we, as we uh, everybody, you know, drink up, taste the beer. We're going to get to that. But I want Teddy to take things away because he needs to start the cooking. Because the sooner he does that, the sooner we can eat and the sooner we can get to the next beer. Um, exactly. All right. Um, is that one the awkward clap? <laughs> um, so no, what we're doing today is we're actually, beer pairing has really grown in popularity and, and using beer and food and the, the, uh, the way they both, they, they, they marry so well together. There's so many different ways that you can use beer in cooking, in dining. You can pair a beer with a simple dish. That's what a lot of people like to do, you know, say a great, you know, buffalo wing pairs great with a great pale ale. Well, you can also do, before the cooking process, you can use beer to grind foods. Uh, you can reduce it to make sauces. You can use it in the cooking process. So what I'm actually going to demo for you guys is all those things done to one dish, which is cool. Um, we have a leg of lamb that's been marinating in our Three Philosophers. Uh, it's a brine that I made with uh, water, the Three Philosophers, some brown sugar, some garlic, and some sour cherries. It's been sitting there about 48 hours. Um, what the brine's going to actually do is it's actually going to take that meat and the sugars in the beer and the salt that we put into it. It's going to, like, when meat spurts, it's like a fist. I can't make a fist because I hit a wall with my fist and now it's not working. Uh, but it's like a fist in the beginning. I'm serious. It happens. I'm sorry. Uh, so the meat's like a fist. But then when you add the brine to it, what it does is it kind of loosens it. It loosens the... Um, I can't remember exactly what it does with the muscle tissue itself, but it allows it to the cooking process to happen a lot faster. Allows flavor to get in there. Uh, so that's what we did to start off with the three philosophers. So um, besides that, uh, actually, I'm going to start off by actually yeah. want to start talking about three philosophers. I'm sure. going to get the meat ready to sear. Do you drink the brine afterwards? Um, no, you discard the brine, <laughs> but you can drink it if you want to. I, <laughs> I challenge you. The, the lamb juice is wonderful. <laughs> right, yeah. Um, Okay, the way we're doing the, the uh, progression tonight, now we're going to taste three beers, uh, but we're kind of doing it uh, um, against the prevailing wisdom yeah. with pairing. We're, uh, we're going to start with a very complex dark beer. We're going to go on to a lighter, um, 
a bit cleaner beer, and then we're going to go in a completely different direction after that. And the reason we're doing that is, uh, is to mess with you guys. Right, is to confuse you. Um, but that, the reason we're doing that is because of the way this dish is paired, and I think it's a great uh, concept. Um, three Philosophers uh, is uh, quadruple. Uh, quadruple is a style of beer uh, that is not very traditional. You're not going to find a lot of traditional quadruples in Belgium. There are a couple beers that people call quadruples, but by and large, uh, it's, it's an American take. Um, okay, I'm being told I'm not loud enough. Uh, which is funny coming from Steven. <laughs> He's so loud. Um, so, yeah, uh, so this is an American take on a Belgian style. There really isn't a beer like this um, in the market besides three fills. Uh, it's 98, roughly 98% of a dark, strong ale we brew at Omegang, and it's mixed with uh, about 2% uh, Creek uh, from Belgium. We've used different creek suppliers throughout the years. Right now, we're using uh, Leafman's. Um, so we add the creek during the boil, um, <clears throat> which does a couple things. Uh, it boosts the alcohol content because there's already, uh, you know, a little bit of sugar in the creek. Um, and uh, when you boil that off, you're not getting, like, hit in the face with cherries. Creek is a cherry beer spontaneously fermented. They add no brewer's yeast. Um, so in a, in a, you know... A traditional brewery, you want to keep things as clean as, as humanly possible, uh, you know, and sterile. Um, in a Lambic brewery, uh, you don't. Uh, they benefit from the microflora uh, floating in the air uh, to ferment their beers. So they add absolutely no brewer's yeast. They, you know, if there's cobwebs, uh, they leave them. Um, the windows, generally, uh, are kept open. Um, and these beers ferment spontaneously. Uh, as such, um, they get pretty sour, uh, and they may produce uh, acetic acid or some other things that aren't generally considered desirable in a beer. Um, they're not beginner beers. And because, uh, because they're like this, they're often aged on fruit. So cherries, tart cherries, which is one of the things in the brine. Yeah. Um, is, is what the creek we use to blend in the three flowers is made out of. So it's about 9.8% alcohol. A beer like this shouldn't be heavily hopped, in my opinion, um, and this one is not. Um, so you should, I never, I, I have never once tasted cherries in this beer, and people will argue with me about that. Um, like, I think I have a pretty good palate. Uh, <clears throat> I smell cherries. Uh, I smell cherries. So let me, does anyone taste cherries? Yeah. I smell it. I never really taste it. Yeah, maybe like a little tannic, but not uh, not you know like a cherry. Yeah, sure. All right, so I'm gonna give you a little bit of a. I was while he was talking, I was just getting the lamb prepped. I'm gonna try and move over a little so the people over there can see a little bit. Um, so what you want to do is you want to find the largest knife you have in your kitchen, and you're gonna just pierce the lamb. You don't really want it. You know, just gonna pierce the lamb and stuff it with garlic cloves. Uh, so what's gonna happen is those garlic cloves that are sitting inside of the lamb, while the lamb is braising, it's actually going to roast the garlic inside of the lamb, so that roasted garlic flavor is gonna be really coming through. Um, so that's all I did to the lamb, I just cut some incisions in it, stuffed it with the garlic, and then you really wanna season heavily with salt and pepper. And I know a lot of people, when they say heavy, they do this, but because it's a big piece of meat, 
you really just want to, I'm just a little bit more. Bam. And, oh, I, oh. <laughs> wow, it's been a long time since I've done that. Um, and another important part about this is you really want to get a good sear on the lamb. But when you get a good sear on the lamb, it's going to add a lot more flavor. It's going to, um, the sugars are going to caramelize a little bit. The salt's going to get crusted on the lamb. So when it's in that, like when you're sitting in the oven and it's just cooking and cooking and cooking, uh, it's, oh, it's just, oh, it smells really good too. I can't even describe it. So get in the pan really hot. You want your pan to be uh, on medium heat for about a minute. Uh, before you put your lamb on it because you really, when you start off with lower heat, your food might stick to the pan. And I'm not using any fat, any oil or anything like that because the lamb has a lot of fat already on it. So that's the process I'm going to start right now. Um, as I move fire with my hands, that was cool. All right. <laughs> and clean off the counter where I oversalted. Um, but what's great about this dish right here is, um, like we were talking about before, the concept of using beer not only as a, a pairing component, but as a cooking uh, in the cooking process itself. So, like I said before, we brine the uh, uh, <laughs> over the shoulder. All right, there we go. Uh, so we brine the lamb in the three fills, and then we're going to sear it off here. And then the next step of the process, which I can't do because I don't have two burners, is I took the three philosophers uh, and I reduced it down to a syrup. Uh, so the syrup consistency probably took about six hours to do it because if you reduce it too fast, you might burn it. Uh, and you don't ever want it to boil. You just want the steam to kind of float off it as it reduces. And when that syrup came out, it was actually almost like using like a cherry bitters. Mm-hmm. It had that, that, that tannic you know, taste to it and also had that good cherry flavor. And then I made a simple barbecue sauce and incorporated it in there. So that's going to be part of this dish that we're doing. So that's a sauce with the three philosophers, a brine with the three philosophers, and then before you throw it in the oven, what you're also going to do is pour three philosophers into your pan. So it's used three times in this cooking process, which is fun, I think. And hopefully you'll taste it. It tastes a little boozy when we do bring it out in about 10 minutes or so. But uh, you guys, I hope you'll enjoy it. Now, I would say something about reducing beers. I found that and I, you can uh, either agree or disagree. But, uh, disagree. Generally, when, you, when I cook, uh, I try to use, if I'm using a beer that I'm going to reduce, I try to use something that doesn't have, that isn't hop forward. Uh, because I find when you reduce a beer that is hop forward, it gets really overpowering and uh, unpleasantly bitter. Is this? Absolutely. Um, it's just, it's a weird, weird characteristic, especially with the hoppy beers, that it does do that. Um, lagers are good for reducing, um, but I feel that the bigger beers that have the higher sugar content, the quads, the triples, the Belgian beers at least, reduce really well in the flavored beers. Um, I'm not going to mention other breweries, but I've produced other breweries beers that are like, uh, there was one that was a uh, smoke beer, like a Rausch beer, uh, and then that reduced down. I, I thought the smoke intensity was going to just, you know, get bigger and bigger, but actually just stayed real mellow and real nice, so. All right, now I wish you guys can come up and smell right now. That would be cool if I could do that. <laughs> you want to just do like one line, everybody comes down, or? <laughs> um, now, another thing that with cooking with beer, um, that a lot of people kind of, I guess not shy away from, but, um, sorry, I just got, my, it's really weird, when you turn your phone on vibrate, you're not used to it, and you put it in a pocket you're not used to, I thought something was touching my butt, (laughs) the hell is that, Um, I lost my train of, (laughs) now, um, (laughs) have another three philosophers, oh no, when cooking with beer, um, a lot of times what people feel is that, um, you have to do, there, there are certain rules that you have to follow with pairing beer. Like if it's spicy, it has to be hoppy. 
Uh, if you're, you know, there's, it's, there's no rules when it comes to pairing beer and food anymore. Um, you know, if you notice a, a, a hint of something in a beer that you really like, say that, uh, oh, oops. Um, just had a check. Uh, I'm sorry, I keep on getting off track here. I'm trying to do too many things at once. I'm not good at multitasking today. Um, could be my hand. Thanks to Steve. Oh, he didn't get it. Um, so what, there, what you want to trend to do these days is, you know, kind of find, if you're tasting a beer, find an ingredient that you can taste in the beer that you really like and use it as an element of the dish. Um, I'm trying to think of examples right now that we've done with, uh, I'm, I don't want to go and talk about other beers. That's why I was like, well, if I use this beer. Um, I would say, let, uh, like caramelized flavors especially. You know, we're getting a good crust on this. Uh, something that's fatty uh, and gets caramelized, and uh, what, do, what do you call that? The, the sixth flavor component? Umami. Uh, umami. Uh, <clears throat> caramelized flavors uh, pair, I think, really well with uh, like caramelized flavors from the kettle, from sugar in beer. So this beer is brewed, uh, you know, with creek, but we also add sugar uh, to the boil, which is. Uh, um, some consider an undesirable adjunct. I think sugar, it, it's very traditional to use sugar in Belgian brewing. Uh, it does two things. It, it's kind of counterintuitive uh, that it lightens the body of the beer. A uh, beer brewed with sugar is not sweeter. It's actually drier uh, because the yeast consume that sugar. They boost the alcohol content and they dry. There is, a, there is a point where you can add too much sugar and the bottom kind of falls out of the beer. It's got no body left. But uh, this beer has got just enough sugar to uh, boost the alcohol content a little bit, and it makes it more drinkable, more quaffable. You feel like you want to have another sip. If we didn't add sugar to this beer, I think like it would be a little bit too cloying. Um, but these caramelized flavors, I think, yeah. you know, maybe what you were talking about, uh, pair really well with uh, roasted flavors and foods. Has anybody here ever done like a beer dinner for themselves, like had a you know paired beer with food and that sort of thing? Um, now, what, I, 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 what process goes through your head? What, what goes through mine is like when you taste the beer, do you, do you pair the food, do you taste the food first and the beer, or do you taste the beer first and think about the food? I've done both things. Yeah. Okay. And it's, what's so amazing about that is that because of like all the you know the popularity of craft beers now, there's so many different wonderful new beers and wonderful flavors and flavor profiles that you can use to pair now. Um, that one of the things uh, I keep on hearing good ideas, and I'm just like, ooh. Um, one of the other things that you can think of when pairing food with beer is I like to um, I like to taste it first now. Like that's my whole way of doing it. I taste the beer, and I get a story behind the beer too. A lot of beers have great stories, like some Saison, you know, those farmhouse Saisons that have histories that date back so many hundreds of years, or even thousands of years for Saison, right? Well, I mean, the established record would be hundreds of years, hundreds but of years. yeah, it's an old style of beer. So what's really cool now is being able to kind of take a story, like when pairing a Saison, um, and I know that it's a farmhouse ale, when you sit, you drink on hot days and that sort of thing. So what I was actually thinking about when I paired it with um, some uh, duck terrine, because it kind of made, I use a lot of elements from a farm, like, uh, uh, really losing it. Um, a lot of elements from a farm that I would think like gaminess. And it wasn't necessarily the flavor of the beer, but it was kind of the story of the beer and the story of where it came from and, and how it used to be made that kind of made me think, hey, let's pair it with that. Yeah.
on um, this beer, this, like, the story behind it, this was a, a, started out as a competition on the internet, uh, on the World Wide Web. I don't know if you've heard of it. Uh, <laughs> uh, but uh, we, we had a contest. Uh, we had a number of people write in, um, and they described, and this is kind of what you were speaking about. You think about the beer, the food. We had somebody describe what their... Um, you guys are making <laughs> Describe a beer, uh, their favorite beer, so like yes. their dream beer. Um, and then uh, we took the... Uh, <clears throat> what we thought was the best description uh, and something that we could do, you know, and that fell within the Belgian realm. And then we brewed that beer. And it was supposed to be like one-off, it got traction, uh, it grew. The Three Philosophers thing, I was never really clear on. This is, uh, it had something to do with the essay the guy wrote. Um, but on the label, there's three people, on, you know, I wish they could have put, left bottles in front of people. But there's, uh, we got three, <laughs> three dudes here. Uh, this is uh, Phil Leinhardt, he's our brewmaster. Uh, um, in the middle is uh, Michel Mortgat, who's the CEO of uh, Duval. He's, uh, <clears throat> Duval is our sugar daddy. Uh, and <laughs> this is Randy Field, he, uh, he was our former brewmaster. I worked under him for a couple of years, and he, he now brews at New Blaris, a, a fabulous brewery in Wisconsin. Um, but yeah, history. Um, so, I think in about five minutes we're going to be bringing out the uh, uh, the, the finalized dish here. Uh, there's one more component, uh, one more component of this dish that I didn't describe. It's the uh, we're using what's called Hooks, or not what's called Hooks Blue Cheese. It's from Wisconsin. It's a small creamery in Wisconsin. Uh, I don't know if you guys know, but the cheeses from Wisconsin have higher standards than anybody else, any other state in the country. Um, they have uh, all sorts of standards for their milk, especially. But this particular cheese is a double cream blue. And it's a very um, aromatic blue cheese, but on the palate, it's really mild and really light. Uh, the next beer we're going to be introducing um, is called the. Uh, hold on a second. Are you guys almost ready with food, or do you want to? Uh, five, five minutes. Five minutes. Okay. Six minutes. Six minutes. Okay. Six minutes. Everybody, give us six minutes. Six minutes. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, do we do not sit in here? Yeah. Uh, well, we're gonna we're gonna be. Uh, with the, uh, with the dish, uh, we're going to be pairing that with uh, BPA, which is our Belgian-style pale ale. Uh, this is, uh, this is uh, in the uh, limited release rotation this year. Um, you may see it more in the future. Uh, this is kind of a, a beer I, that is close to me. Um, I, I worked on this. Uh, we brewed it for the first time at uh, our festival for Belgian Comes to Cooperstown last year, um, and it did pretty well. Um, and uh, it went through probably nine or 11 iterations before we landed on something we liked. Uh, and uh, I hope you like it too. It's 6.2% uh, ABV. Um, it's a hop forward beer. Um, American pale ales, uh, you know, American pale ale, this is not. Uh, it's, uh, you know, we're, we're owned by Duval and we're, we're always going to brew Belgian style ales. Thank you. Um, but we like to put our own stamp on them, uh, you know, whether that be spicing um, or introducing some uh, components that aren't necessarily traditional. Um, so a, a Belgian pale ale uh, are generally not very hoppy. They've got a, they've got a more robust malt backbone than uh, than uh, American pale ales. This. Uh, 
uh, kind of toes the line between a Belgian pale ale and an American-style uh, pale ale. So it's hop forward. Uh, we, we tried to create a beer that was hoppy without being bitter. Uh, hops have two, two types of acids, alpha acids and beta acids, and these are uh, alpha acids com- uh, correspond to bitterness, while beta acids correspond to flavor and aroma. Um, in order to, beta acids are much more uh, volatile, and uh, you can think of them as being delicate. So they get volatilized and, and uh, boiled out uh, the longer uh, the hops are in the kettle. Uh, while alpha acids, you can add it during the beginning, and they will lend uh, bitterness to the beer. But over time, those beta acids will get lost. So you, you'll get bitterness, but you'll lose some of the, uh, the nice complexity of the hops and the herbal notes and the uh, flowery notes. So if you add hops towards the end of the boil, it doesn't have that long to boil. You're going you're gonna to leave those beta acids uh, uh, intact. Um, and, and you're going to get floweriness and uh, nice aroma and flavor without bitterness. So, uh, and furthermore, you can dry hop, which is a process where you add hops after the beer has been brewed, um, either fermenting or lagering, and you get all aroma, basically. So we did a lot of that, all late edition hops and aroma hops with this beer. So, um, yeah, I'm going to shut love up when, about hops. When I tasted this beer, I was having, by, by trade, I'm a hop head, I think. I love hoppy beers. It's just always been my style of drinking. And, uh, and then over the past three years at Granville Moore's experiencing all the different Belgian ales. And I just opened my mind completely. And I was always hoping, oh my gosh, I just want, just want to crack open one and just be you know, a little bit of a hop to it, but not too much. And I couldn't really get that. And then this one came aboard and I, just, I was head over heels for it. It's my favorite beer right now. Um, something I hope to carry all summer long over at Granville's. Um, but when I tasted this beer, immediately it brought me to... Uh, you know, all the fun places where I enjoy my pale ales, uh, all the different bars. I'm, a, I'm, I'm kind of the guy, I don't like going to fine dining restaurants, I like going to a bar and having a really good burger. Um, so that's what we tried to recreate here with these lamp sliders that are going to come out. The, the, although that the whole cooking process involved three philosophers, um, the end of this, the, the pale ale is going to be amazing. Uh, uh, the Belgian pale ale, I should say. You can't say pale ale, right? Pale ale is fine. BPA. It, BPA. The BPA is just going to completely... Uh, not really even, it's going to just clean the palate off after you take a bite of the lamb. Uh, and it's going to leave this great, um, I'm salivating, thinking about it. Uh, <laughs> um, it's great that the hoppiness is just going to cut through the sweetness of the lamb, the fattiness of the lamb. And it's also going to, if you, there's some blue cheese on there. If you have a little taste of the blue cheese with the, 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 the beer also, again, you're going to get like a really cool pairing. Um, the blue cheese is just nice and creamy. And again, that hop that... I keep, I keep on bringing the pops, too. It's just going to cut right through it. Yeah, my favorite, my favorite pairings are pairings that are, are not necessarily... Um, they're contrasting and not complementary. So I, I, like to, I like to taste something or drink something and then be brought someplace else and maybe brought back. So beer and cheese. A lot of people talk about wine and cheese as being uh, like a mind-blowing pairing, but it's, I, it, it's a really, really much easier to pair beer and, and cheese, and beer lends itself to cheese very well. But, um, wine lacks, number one, the carbonation uh, to cleanse your palate and, and just kind of scrub off the fat, um, and, and also the, the tannins in wine, I, I find, uh, don't pair very well with cheese, but... You know, maltiness and sweetness, 
Um, and the, kind of, the balance between barley and hops, I think it goes really well with cheese. And it's, it's a, most, more often than not, it's, a, um, it's not a complementary pairing. It's something that, uh, you know, where the hops uh, play off of, the, off of the tanginess and the fattiness of the cheese. Now, hopefully with the, with the lamb, you're going to taste a little booziness to it uh, because it does have, I, I think it was about 30 pounds of lamb that I started with, and I used six bottles of Three Philosophers in the cooking process. So there should be a little bit of booziness to it. I didn't want to, you know, I wanted that, that flavor to be there that you can kind of taste. So hopefully, hopefully it's still there. What's everybody think? Yeah. Wow, that blue cheese is... You guys get a chance to taste that blue cheese? Yeah. It's stunning. I like using that word. Any, um, any questions? I know you guys can pop it out, right? But sure. Copy the. I'm sorry? Yeah, I, absolutely. Uh, I'd use one bottle of the, um, well, one part beer, one part water. Actually, I can say, I can probably, I'll just give a mound so it's easier to do. Um, just say one quart or one pint of beer, one pint of water. Uh, with that, you probably use about an eighth of a cup of brown sugar, uh, about a quarter of a cup of dried sour cherries, and as much garlic as you can take. Uh, and also in there, uh, about an eighth of a cup of salt, too. That's very important. The salt is extremely important. No, it's, it's actually in the brine also, so that the salt, because it's a large piece of meat when you brine it with the salt, it penet- that salt flavor will penetrate throughout the entire meat, so. Absolutely. Yes, sir. Do you serve this at your... No. Oh. Not yet. Because I don't like to cook, but I like to eat. <laughs> <laughs> and what was the name of the blue cheese? Hook's blue cheese. Yeah. I, f- I flew in a Thursday night, um... And I've, you know, I've already told this story, but not in front of you guys. So uh, a couple of you are going to have to sit through it again. But we flew in Thursday night, and we got in late, and uh, did a couple events uh, at some bars, and we made it. I had to meet, you know, Teddy because we were coming over here. So we went to Granville Moors, which is, if you know, are you a lot of you guys from DC? Like the place is awesome. Uh, uh, three, it'll be three years old in July. Uh, Uh, the Throwdown was in, we filmed it in March 2008, and it aired in July 2008. So, yeah, we had been, we had been around, uh, you know, I'd worked all day in the brewery, uh, and then hopped a plane, and then and came here, and we made it there at, like, 10, 10 o'clock, o'clock. <laughs> and I'd had, had a couple beers, like, but maybe two, I don't know, no more than two. Teddy uh, stopped. <laughs> uh, and we got there and we drank more beer and Teddy, you know, kept the kitchen open and made these lamb burgers and it was just, uh, you know, Patrick who's here with Oma Gang as well, we just, you know, we've been talking about that burger for uh, the past two days. Uh, but it was, it was lamb, it was kind of the same thing and we were drinking BPA. Yeah. So uh, uh, if you have a chance, go over there, have a lamb burger. He doesn't make lamb burgers, apparently. Man, you're killing me. It's funny, on the same, on the same note, uh, the advertising had also said, and I didn't even know where it came from, that I was launching a new late-night menu. I was pretty surprised. Because <laughs> I had people coming in, they're like, hey, where's the food? I'm like, I don't know. All I'm saying is I was there after 10, and he made me food. <laughs> you know, if he's not going to do that for everybody else, I'm done. 
Okay, so I'm putting lamb burgers in the menu. I'm putting lamb sliders in the menu. Um, we will be doing it. But the, it's, yeah, it's, well, what's great about this dish, though, is, you know, once it's seared off, I didn't even finish it because, well, I'm storing the beer and talking to you guys better. Um, it's just a one-pan dish. You can just, if you sear it off in a pot like this, and then you just add your three philosophers, and you just throw it in the oven, just wait like six hours, 250 degree or 300 degrees, and boom, it falls apart. Yes. Um, so, who are you guys looking most forward to seeing today? Brewery <laughs> um, Yeah, I can talk a little bit about our brewery specifically, um, okay. you know, because you're all here and, uh, you know, captive audience, and uh, I assume you like our beers. Uh, we were, uh, we were uh, established in 1997 by a, a couple who uh, own a uh, um, Importing business called Van Berg and DeWolf. Uh, they still bring a lot of really good beers, uh, Belgian beers, to America. Uh, and they were kind of on the forefront of bringing you know, Duval, Saison DuPont, all these really fabulous Belgian beers uh, to the uh, kind of hapless, uh, uneducated American beer drinking public. Um, and uh, they got the wacky idea of starting like a purpose built farmhouse brewery in uh, Cooperstown, New York. Um, you know, which is not known uh, for being a, like a hub of industry. <laughs> yeah. So uh, uh, there were a number of silent partners to begin with, um, and gradually a number of them were bought out by uh, the biggest silent partner, which was Duval, um, and uh, eventually uh, Don and Wendy were bought out. This couple were bought out by Duval. Um, and... Uh, really has been a great relationship with it with the five years I've been there Duval gives us pretty much full creative control um, you know we're not we're not going to brew any uh, you know English bitters um, but uh, we keep one foot firmly planted in Belgium you know and the other in the US um, you know we like to stay fresh and experiment I've uh, got a number of innovation beers coming out this year uh, but our five year-round beers um, two of which we'll be pouring downstairs in a little bit, um, are all full, full, uh, you know, traditional Belgian beers of an amber, a wheat ale, um, uh, Cezanne, uh, this quadruple, and, uh, Abbey Ale, which is a double. That one, uh, the gold medal at the, G uh, World Beer Cup this year, um, so yeah, uh, yes. The reason why the BPA you said is limited because it's a really good beer. Like yeah. It's a, <laughs> well, the reason it's limited is because we didn't brew a lot. Uh, we we have in the actually, you know, it's as recent as three weeks ago we brewed a couple batches. There is a rumor that it's going to be more widely available. Um, thank you. <laughs> it makes me feel good. Um, we have it at Granville's right now in tap. And we think, I think we have, what, two more barrels left? We'll probably go through that within four days, three or four days. So, um, What we're trying to do with this, this limited release program that we have going is, is we're, we're, uh, we're making beers for release in the limited program, but all the while we're doing, uh, you know, beers in what we call the Unobtainium series. 
And we don't sell them. Um, we give some away. Uh, we poured some before this event. Uh, but it's kind of like a incubator for uh, new styles and new beers. I'm testing the water. Right. So they. <laughs> right. um, it helps if you're a beer writer. Uh, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so it's kind of an incubator for beers that make it up to the next level, and then who knows from there. And then next year we'll be coming out with some different ones. Uh, we just came out with Zur, or we're coming out with Zur in about a, a, a month, which is a, a, a beer we're doing in collaboration with Leafman's um, in Belgium, uh, a sour beer. It's sour is the, um, everybody says sour is the new bitter. Uh, I don't understand that at all. Because <laughs> bitter isn't that good. Uh, too bitter and too sour. These you know beers have to be balanced, uh, and that, that's what we're all always striving to do is create beers with balance. So you know bitter is kind of bad and sour is kind of bad unless there's something to balance it. Um, and I think food is about that. Do you, you ever know? want to go over the top of the beer? Not really. No. Uh, there's a number of other breweries that are known for doing that. Uh, we don't ever really want to do that. We want to we want to stay uh, balanced and, and focused on what we do. You know, we think really well is, is create uh, Belgian beers that are uh, you know may have a unique twist, but are thoroughly Belgian. It's always going to be thoroughly. Patrick, what's the shelf life? Shelf life. It's a great question. Um, shelf life on the BPA uh, to. Contrast the shelf life on the BPA. I would say it, it is about a year, uh, and that's under good conditions. Shelf life on this, especially if you were to cellar it, I would say five years. And I've had, I've had eight-year-old Abbey that was stored well, meaning you know, in, in the range of like 52 to 54 degrees Fahrenheit and dark. Um, people think like thermocycling, like hot, cold, hot, cold is really bad for beer, and it is, but it's not nearly as bad as light. Uh, light is the worst. Uh, light will ruin a beer uh, much more quickly than, than temperature will. But yeah, five years, and that's, that's another great thing about Belgian beers is generally they're bottle conditioned and the ABV is higher, and these are two things that lend themselves really well to aging. So you can put this beer down, and it's going to change. Uh, you know, people say it's going to change like a wine, but it won't at all. It'll change like a beer. Uh, um, so some mellow, some get more intense. Right. So you, you're generally going to get more boozy, a little bit. The alcohol will be more evident. The hops will uh, kind of subside. Um, beers that are darker. Uh, and especially our yeast does this, creates like a port character, if you like port wine. Uh, Abbey and Three Fills, uh, two of our darker beers, get very port-like and, and uh, kind of whiny um, in a really, really good way. How about cork versus bottle Yeah. Um, I would, you know, store upright. That's one cork thing. You know, you store wine on its side. Uh, you want to store beer upright, and that's in large part because of the yeast. You want the yeast to settle on the bottom. You don't want it all the way up the side of the bottle. When you present that beer later, you don't want the yeast necessarily in the bottle. Um, 12 ounces versus 750s, it's, it's about sharing. It's not really about aging, you know. 750 is it's a convivial thing. You, you know, you sit down with two people, although, you know, I've seen Patrick drink a 750 by himself, so it's not, 
It's not unheard of. <laughs> yes? Uh, we were over in Europe a couple of years ago, and Duval had a triple hop. Yeah. Uh, we just got one of the last bottles. But is there any chance that Omegon will be making something similar? Um, well, we have a triple. Uh, we have a triple in the uh, limited release lineup. Um, but it has nothing, it's not like a triple hop in any way. Um, this BPA is the hoppiest beer that we produce. There is a, there is a groundswell to bring triple hop back. I know that. Can you address that? Yeah, Larry can yeah, address that. Yeah, triple hop is coming back from Google. Actually, we're going to ship it to the US this year. Yes. Oh. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't ship it before. Larry's Johnny on the spot. He wanders there into the go. room. Answers the first question. And now he's a... Yeah, everyone loves it now. Uh, wow. So now we're trying... This is... Uh, this is the first time this has been popped open. Uh, this beer um, is Adoration. This is our winter beer from last year. Uh, Christmas time, seasonal. Uh, it's 10%. Uh, this is a bear of a beer to brew. Uh, we have to mash in twice for each batch because we didn't want to use too much sugar with this. We wanted it to have a really full body and didn't necessarily want to lighten it out too much. So we would mash in, uh, fill the mash tun, transfer it off, get that running off, and then mash in again. Um, so in order to get 10%, uh, this beer basically takes twice as long to brew. Um, and then we spiced it. This is pretty heavily spiced. Uh, mace, um, cardamom, coriander, orange peel. Mace is a spice that's uh, traditionally used uh, in uh, like Jamaican jerk seasonings. Um, and it, it adds a really nice kind of refined spiciness that I like. Furthermore, this beer is aged uh, in Buffalo Trace uh, sort of bourbon barrels. I was like, it smells like bourbon. What's right. So uh, we took beer out of the fermenter, we left it in a bourbon barrel for the uh, better part of a year, um, and then transferred it off. There's probably, there's, I, in fact, there are less than 300 bottles of this beer uh, in existence. So this is, I mean, this is like the third time I've had this beer. So. No, it's similar to, I mean... I guess I mean, I'm, I'm just amazed in the past. I mean, I've been in the restaurant industry for about 14 years, 15 years. Um, oh, no way. <laughs> Never mind, a lot longer than that. About 20 years I've been in the restaurant industry. And uh, it was really weird to see the rise of craft beers. Um, and in doing so, like I, at first I got really involved with wine, and I was all about wine and wine dinners and wine pairings. That was about nine years ago. And then I did my first beer dinner about eight, seven or eight years ago, and I've done probably about a hundred since. And the beers are just keep on getting better and better and cooler and all sorts of different things. And now, like I remember hearing a story about a brewery that had brewed their double beer and everything was going great, and then they realized we don't have anywhere to put it, so they put it into some bourbon casks that they had, and the bourbon casks then started exploding. I don't know why that would happen. Um, so they had to pour it immediately, and it actually turned out to be now one of their most popular beers, which is I'm not going to mention. Barrel aging is something that we'd like to, because of space constraints, it's something that we're not doing too much of. I would personally, I would like to be doing a lot more, um, and 
It's all, all the rage is, is aging beer and wine barrels. Uh, bourbon barrels add definitely an oaky complexity and a, you know, a booziness and a warmness to the beer, uh, whereas wine barrels will add. They generally contain um, uh, some uh, microflora that will influence the beer uh, generally to make it sour and or tart. Um, there's a lot of great beers on the market that are doing that. We'd like to we'd like to play around with that some more. Uh, we've just expanded a little bit, added some um, storage capacity. So maybe once we get some more barrels, we can do something like that. But uh, you guys are really fortunate to try this. This is something that I haven't had much of uh, myself. And we'll be brewing Adoration again uh, this uh, the end of this year. It will be. Adoration is not a, a full year-round beer. What's the blend? Like, is it 100% or is it for barrel aging? It? Is it completely barrel aged or do you do a blend of casting or tapping or bourbon barrels? This is all barrel aged. Um, yeah, 100% of this liquid <coughs> spent time in the barrel. That's cool. Are you doing any more cave aging? Uh, we are no longer in the cave. Um, you know, in the future we might be in another cave. If I owned a hole in the ground, <laughs> wouldn't you want people to put stuff in it? Like, it just yeah. makes sense. Right? What else are you going to do with it? Uh, we need to find another cave or dig our maintenance guy, Paul. He's a big dude. We're thinking he might just build a cave in the back. In the backyard. We have 150 acres. Um, but cave aging, you know, we do the work for you and age it. It's really, it's a patience thing. You're paying so you don't have to be patient. But if you want to do it on your own, uh, you can get the same results. The cave is a perfect, you know, we have this cave, we had this cave, How Caverns, that we were cave aging beer in. It's, you know, really low humidity, constant 52 degrees, again, dark. Um, but your cellar, you know, if you have a cellar, there's probably not a lot of cellars in DC. If you had a cellar or a basement, a, a dark corner, is around 52 degrees, and it's going to stay that way all year round. Um, so cave aging is something that, you know, we were patient, so you didn't have to be. Uh, but if you want to age your beer, and I suggest you do, uh, especially the higher ABV stuff, uh, then you can do it on your own very successfully. I have a question, actually. Um, blending beers. I know there's, like, Meritage wines, that sort of thing. Has that ever come about, like, blending the parallel with three philosophers? Just to kind of, is, I mean, I've done it before at beer dinners, and it's had some catastrophes, but it's also had some really, really awesome outcomes. Yeah, I mean, uh, the Three Fills is a blend, uh, in a manner of speaking. Uh, or what's all, all of our beer is blended. Every batch gets blended for consistency's sake. You know, um, generally four to six batches are blended together um, in order to achieve consistency. Um, but if you're talking about like uh, pouring, the, yeah. pouring, I you know I, I'm I'm really guilty of that, and people poo-poo that. I, I said but it's sometimes you can really uh, achieve greatness, uh, like uh, black and tans, which is a pretty uh, politi uh, politically incorrect term. But I've made it doesn't work with Duval, by the way. Uh, after having too many R and D guy myself one night. Made, tried to make as many combinations of black and tan <laughs> as we could with our beer. It doesn't work with Duval because the carbonation is too high. Uh, but uh, Rare Voss and uh, 
Yeah, Rare Voss works really well as your bass substitute. Um, so like a Belgian black and tan, uh, you know, Rare Voss and Hennepin, uh, you can do that. I don't, you know, it's, I would prefer that you enjoy the beers on their own. Okay. Uh, but, but if, you know, if you've had a couple too many. Um, <laughs> or you mistakenly pour this, like, you know, can I have another? Oh, it's, yeah, whatever. You know, you don't want to pour it out. Anybody have any more questions? Do you have any thoughts on um, craft beers going into cans more and more often? Yeah, I do. Um, I think it's great, personally. I don't know if, you know, I don't know if our marketing team feels the same way. I think craft beer in cans is, is a great thing. Um, mostly because of what I talked about with light. Uh, craft uh, beer in cans is more stable than, than uh, you know, brown bottles are great. You know, green bottles are, are bad. Uh, clear bottles are the worst. Uh, these reflect uh, as much UV light as, as you can. The problem is um, they don't make cans this big. <laughs> and one of the things we're all about is in the big bottle formats is sharing. So you, you sit down with your friends. There's something that's just sexy and wonderful about, you know, a big champagne bottle full of beer. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And you have 22 ounce yeah, 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 like so, you know, you and your loved one can sit down with a big bottle of Old English, and, and, you know, and a, a couple hot dogs, and it's... And coming from a guy who, our restaurant's really, really tiny, and we have really small amount of storage, I love the canned beer. Yeah. Because it makes it a lot easier. Canned beer is cool, you can, it, they, they chill down really fast, um... The other thing I would say about, you know, and this is why you're, not, you're probably not going to see canned beer from Omegang anytime soon, if ever, is nobody's figured out how to condition in, in a can. Uh, all our beer is bottle conditioned, which means we don't carbonate, we don't force carbonate the beer to finish it. We add more yeast and sugar. This improves the shelf life. It improves the stability of the beer. It creates a smaller pinpoint carbonation that lends itself better to food um, and is a better drinking experience overall. Nobody's figured out how to make a can that can withstand that pressure. These bottles withstand uh, a, a lot more pressure than, uh, you know, than, for instance, a bottle of Old English. <laughs> Funny that you knew exactly where to find it. Though. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, we played around, and this is, you know, this is we don't make a secret out of this. Um, we, we don't use Belgian candy sugar. You know, we have in the past, um, but uh, from a, like on a molecular level, it, it's pretty much the same thing as dextrose. We use dextrose. It's it's cheaper, um, and and we saw no appreciable difference uh, between candy sugar and corn sugar. So we use we use corn sugar. <coughs> The awkward silence. Yes, you're in the back. So uh, why import the cream from? Why import it? A couple different reasons. Um, they've been doing this for a really long time. There are a couple American producers of Lambic beers. Um, but uh, by and large, the, the best Lambic beer is from Belgium, and generally it's from a specific region in Belgium where they are, you know, have been doing this for hundreds and hundreds of years. Um, 
and practically, uh, Duval owns Leaf Mints. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, and it's a one we have in the past used uh, Creek from Boone. Uh, we've used Creek from Lindemans. Um, you know, and, and we've pretty much made it known when we when we've changed, but uh, it's it's kind of a no brainer. There, and they, you know. In my opinion, I'm really happy we're using Leafman's because Leafman's is, is my favorite creek. It's uh, the alcohol content's a little higher. It's got a really nice tartness, and I think that complements the dark ale that we brew really well. Yeah. What kind of container? Uh, it's in a keg. I have I have spent countless hours crack. We used to get creek in bottles to add to to add to three fills. We have a 50 barrel brew house. Uh, we, and we had quite a bit, you know, a number of kegs uh, to reach 2%. You know, you, you know, figure out the math. Uh, <laughs> we, we used to get a creek that was uh, not only uh, corked, but also capped. So, like, imagine, and this was, like, this was literally, like, my first or second week at the brewery. <laughs> like, our, our supervisor, like, set me in front of the pallet with a, you know, with a corker and a, and a, you know, a church key, I, like, you know, four hours of just opening. But, uh, you know, so a couple of those bottles you can bring home, and that was a nice thing, but I'm, I'm glad we're using kegs now. It's funny, my first cooking job, I had to peel white asparagus for two days. <laughs> just peeling asparagus eight hours a day. Yeah. I mean, making beer is, is hard work like that. It really is. You know, people always say, like, oh, it's great to be, it must be great to be a brewer, and it really is, but it's, uh, you know, it's a lot of, it's a lot of, Sweaty, hot, wet work. Uh, in order to be consistent, uh, you know, you really have to. You really have to work it. Sure. Yeah. Um, I think. Uh, well, the <clears throat> cherries lend themselves. I, th I think really well to, to like darker, maltier beers. Uh, we were talking about like reducing hops. Uh, raspberries get really tart, kind of acidic, astringent when you when you reduce them. And we are adding this beer to the boil. The question was why we choose Creek, and also because the guy mentioned cherries in his in his essay. So. Uh, <laughs> But you, yeah, I mean, certain people say they can taste the, the cherries, and I don't want to spend too much time on that, but I, I smell them. I don't really taste them. And it looks like we got, you know, three or four minutes left if anybody has some, but I'd like to thank you all for coming. It's, the, the great thing about this salon is we're done before they start downstairs, so we get to do this and, and the entire tasting, which I, you know, whoever, whoever made that happen, thank you. Uh, wasn't me, but <laughs> what's also going to be going on is all month long at Granville's, we have uh, Brewery Home Gang Month, uh, so we'll be stocking all their beers, plus we'll have the Zur beer. Zur? Zur. 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 I, always think, I always think of Zul from Ghostbusters. <laughs> that's, that's the only thing I'm like, really? Not the first time I've heard that. <laughs> so we're going to be having that, we're going to, be, that's going to be released in the middle of the month, I think. Yeah, about a, a month. Yeah, our sour beer collaboration with Leafmits will be at about a month. And then the last Tuesday of the month, we have a, a, a beer dinner. So we're going to do five courses uh, with Brewery Omegon and also one uh, a happy hour to start it off with another beer. So we're going to with the BPA, it's going to be probably our session beer the entire time. Right on.
Still have a minute or two if there's any other questions from the audience. Any, any questions? No? Well, as uh, Mike mentioned, you guys <laughs> get to go have fun downstairs. So I'd like to thank you for coming and um, big round for our hosts here. All right. Thanks, everyone. Thank you for listening to Craft Beer Radio's 2010 coverage of Savor, an American craft beer and food experience. To learn more about Savor, please go to savorcraftbeer.com. To listen to more salons, interviews, and other content from Craft Beer Radio, please go to craftbeerradio.com. You can contact us on Twitter at at craftbeerradio or via email at beer at craftbeerradio.com.